so you realize the only reason we're going to do this is I'm just killing time till Marvel Ultimate Alliance comes out, yeah? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's what, three hours till midnight? Yeah, so... Yep. So that's it. I'll cut, you're getting cut off. If we're still talking shit, 12 o'clock, that's it. Cut <laughs> off. And we... It becomes Deal. a let's play after that. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I turn on I... my capture software, but we keep the Discord going and we just keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. Right, you ready? All right, let's go. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Blitz Week Gaming. It's episode number 200 and something something. Hooray! 24. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to flub that one this week. Yes, yes. you didn't yes. ask what it was. I didn't know. I didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, uh, yeah, we're, we're just really basically killing time until Marvel Mo Ultimate Alliances. What what numbers the episode? Fuck it. We don't care. We're just gonna it's talk until Ultimate Alliance <laughs> countdown episodes. <laughs> so uh, anyone wondering what the hell this is, this is Glitchery Gaming. We are a weekly podcast from sunny Scotland and we talk about all types of gaming, mainly video gaming, but we also like some board games and I think it's gonna be basically... board game heavy this week. Yeah, it is. It's going to be. Uh, so with you is Kieran and Hello. me. Uh, Paul is away doing uh, real life things again. Um, he will be. Yes, as always. Yes, he'll be with us uh, one of these days as well. So that's cool. But we've got we've got quite a, a list of things to talk about this week. Actually. Yeah, surprising man. I came into this thinking I have nothing to talk about this week. And then we <laughs> filled this document. So actually, you know what? Yes. So you have been playing uh, a collection of games. Please tell me it's because you've been playing that Konami Picross games and the adverts got to you. That is 100% part of it. (laughs) It's also because... um, So I've been playing Castlevania Collection. Oh, it's like Anniversary Collection, I think it's called. Um, Yeah. But part of the reason I got it was partly those adverts reminded me existed. Uh, it went on sale on the eShop sale on just now. Oh, okay. And there's just been a lot of like stuff in the kind of you know the discourse around games at the moment about uh, Castlevania stuff because uh, Bloodstained just came out, which is the spiritual successor successor to the Castlevania series by um, Ega, who made like. Symphony of the Night, one of the most famous Castlevania games. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of talk just about Castlevanias, and I've had Castlevania on the mind. It's like, I'd like to go back and play some Castlevania games. I don't really want to pay full price for this collection. Then it went on sale, and I was like, that'll, that'll do. <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> um, so I really like it so far. I've kind of just jumped in and out of each of the games. I've not really spent a lot of time in any of the games in it individually, but it has... I'll try to open up so I can get the exact number because I don't remember offhand. I want to two, four, uh, there's Castlevania, there's Castlevania 2, Castlevania 3, Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania The Adventure, Castlevania 2, Castlevania oh, Bloodlines, yeah. Kid Dracula, 
and then there's uh, there's a little book, the history of Castlevania, book of the Crescent Moon. Yeah. Did you also buy this? What is this? <laughs> uh, no, I w- I was quickly checking it out yeah, on the store. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah so... it is. It's going for eleven pound nineteen as well. Yeah, it's not that big a discount. It's usually like fifteen or sixteen or something like that. Um, yeah. But you know that's enough. You know, <laughs> saving a couple of quid is enough for my brain to go. Yeah, that's that's a deal. I'll get it. Um, but yeah, so I've been jumping out of them. So like, I've played Castlevania for the NES before. Never finished it, but I played it. Uh, I've not jumped back into Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest because I played that, and I remember hating that game because it's <laughs> they, it's weird. Like it's not a bad game, but they tried to make Castlevania this kind of like open world thing back on the NES. And so you had to backtrack a lot and you had to collect a bunch of stuff. And a lot of it was very vague. It was like, go talk to a guy in a village and he'll say, you need a shiny thing to do this. And you'll be like, what shiny thing? What the fuck are you talking about? Um, and you have to crouch in a corner to complete a thing. And it doesn't... It's it's not a good game, I don't think. Uh, Castlevania 3 for the NES, which I've never played before, actually. I'm looking forward to getting onto that. I've never played Castlevania cool. 3. Um, Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo or Super Castlevania 4 uh, again I've played that one before I quite like that one because that's the one that you can hold the whip button and your whip just dangles and you can move it around and it's nonsense it has like physics right okay um, and then yeah they've got these the Castlevania Adventure and Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge are both Game Boy games yes which is yeah. kind of a cool addition to this because like Having the NES games in there is kind of just a given. Having the Super Nintendo game on there is also kind of just a given because those are kind of the main Castlevania games. They're the ones people know. Yeah. Really, the ones people would probably want more are uh, Rondo of Blood, uh, Dracula X Chronicles, and um, Symphony of Night because those are kind of the... They're generally considered like the best in the series and none of those are in this collection, which is kind of disappointing. But it's nice yeah. to have these little Game Boy games on that are... And also Kid Dracula as well. Yeah, so I was going to get to that in a second because, yeah, I, that's the one I've played the most of because I've actually not played it before and it's adorable. Um, but yeah, they so they put these Game Boy ones on, which I've never played before, but I've heard mixed things about. I've heard the second one's pretty decent. Um, but yeah, then they put Kid Dracula on it, which is an NES game that is not... I don't think it's technically a Castlevania game. But you basically play as Dracula in a kind of Castlevania-ish world. And uh-huh. it basically plays like a Castlevania game, but it's a bit easier. It's a little bit more lighthearted. The characters are all a bit more kind of chibi and cartoony. And it's just really good. It's actually a nice little game, and I'm enjoying playing it so far. I'm only a couple of levels into it, but it's, it's fun. It's a good little change of pace for the series. Oh, um, cool. I'd like to see them go back to it in like a modern era and be like, hey, because clearly they remember it exists because they put it in this collection. So give us a modern kid Dracula. That's what I want. <laughs> um, and then the last one they added on was Castlevania Bloodlines or the new generation, which is the Sega Mega Drive game or Genesis if you're American, um, which I've never played before, but people, again, hold it in pretty high regard so i played through the first level of it when i got this collection and i really like that so far as well it's very much a mega drive game like it does 
has you know the that uh, I don't know the best word to describe it. You know that sound that the Mega Drive sound chip gave. You know the the way that all the Mega Drive music sounded. It's it's that you hear it and you're like, right. this is a Mega Drive game. You can hear it from a mile away, uh, and I like that stuff. So I, I, it was it was a little bit tinny, was it not? Yeah, it was a bit grungier I, yeah, than the it, Super Nintendo. Yeah, it had a quite a distinct sound. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. It sounded like everything it sounded like they built their entire synthesizer and then ran it through an electric guitar rather than <laughs> like you know proper software and they're like fuck it close enough and it's and you know what for me for the most part it is like i love the way it sounds um i think when you do good things with it this the mega drive could make some real good music um but yeah i'm enjoying that so far like it's been good to just jump in and out of those games i will probably pick one of them probably kid dracula to start with and then just power through the whole thing because that's what i was doing with the Mega Man collections all right okay like i picked up that second Mega Man collection and played through just the games one by one and was just like okay well i'm doing this start to finish this is the one i'm doing uh so i'll probably do that for castlevania although i don't know if i'll finish any of them because castlevania is really hard um the stuff they've done to this is a little it's kind of bare bones like they've done some stuff though so like there's you know there's usual like kind of crappy filters if you want to make your game look bad um you can be like hey i put a crt filter on it because i wanted it to look nothing like what a crt looked like yeah i've never really got those filters um i think if you've either grown up you know during that point where that's how you played games or you know some of us we also had like the the second television as well was an old tv <laughs> yes i had that yeah i had i so, had an old crt in my bedroom because that was the one that got moved out of another room exactly yeah so yeah no uh, we're not exactly rushing to get back to that thank you very much exactly um the one thing i'll say that i do like about the fillers though is that on the game boy one the filters are actually kind of useful because the default is like the it's what so i think we all remember game boy games as being like weird and green tinted and stuff like that because the screen yes. was that but they weren't yeah. rendered that way they were black and white black just and the white screen yeah. was green or yes. not green it was but yeah you know what i mean um yes, so you yeah. can play it by default those game boy games are set to black and white and you can play them black and white oh uh, okay or you can go into display settings and you can set it to dot matrix which is the Game Boy's green tint to everything. Yes. So if you want it to look horrific, it looks horrific, but it may be the horrific you remember. Um, yeah. But then actually more interesting to me is it has a color option, which I don't know specifically, like I'm looking at Castlevania 2 just now. I don't know if that specifically had a Game Boy color version or like support back in the day, or if that's something they've added new. I would assume that right. it had support back then yeah um, but yeah if you want to like play it with some color it's still not you know full color it's just like hey this is orange in places and there's some different tints to it it's not just you know monotone which is cool um yeah so i i think that's a good little addition whereas on the the, the super nintendo games and the game boy uh, the nes games it's just add a crt filter to it 
do you want to play it at the rendering resolution or the pixel perfect resolution or you know the the same options you find in all these kind of emulators and stuff like that um at least defaults to just here play the game the way it is like it's not i've definitely played collections like this where they're like hey we defaulted to turning some shitty fillers on or we defaulted to stretching everything out full screen because everyone expects games to be 16 by 9 so even though this game wasn't made for that that's what we did uh this one thankfully is just like this is just the game go <laughs> if you want to put fillers <laughs> on it do it um and then the only other really thing they've added is uh they added save states so you can quick save quick load which is okay good for castlevania games because yes like I said before, those games are hard so it's the yeah, thing that might that... make me finish one of those yeah that would have been back in the day where it would have either been there was no save or they might use the old code system yeah so i think all the old castlevania games use passwords the mega drive one might not um, I'm not sure actually either the Mega Drive one or the Super Nintendo one might not um, right but the NES ones definitely all use codes and the Game Boy ones actually I don't know about the Game Boy ones they might not because Game Boy had batteries support as well and a lot of stuff um, but yeah I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head but it's, it's useful as a at the very least even just as a like hey I want to save anywhere in a place that you know I I reached a boss and I want to save right before it that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I like that series. It seems like a good collection. Um. I've not noticed again. I've not played a massive amount of it yet, but I've not noticed any like, you know, noticeable issues with like the, you know, the emulation or anything like that. It's not like hey, this is running poorly or it sounds bad or anything like that. It seems fine. So, not fair enough. So yeah, if you like Castlevania, seems good. The Konami also did a Contra anniversary collection and an arcade anniversary collection as well. Yes, which yeah. I assume are of similar similar quality. I almost picked up the Contra one. Now I realize I would never finish any of those games. The Contra one, I would be tempted to pick up, but it would be one of those that I'd need to, you know, you and me would need to. Con- uh, would need to kind of commit to yeah. playing through them. Yeah, it, I, I, some I check did like. If it, does it have online? Yeah, I I really I used to enjoy the Contra games. I thought they were great. Yeah, same. My favorite Contra game is in that, which is I was surprised by. I didn't think it would be on it. Um, which is Contra Hardcore. Oh, okay. Which was a Mega Drive game again, and it's brutally difficult, but it's very over the top and silly in a way that. The Contra series always was, but they they ratchet it up in that game like it's it's nuts. It's very very good though. Um, but yeah, I need to check. I should check if that has online because if that has online, I would definitely pick up and play it. The other thing is, and this is going off a little bit more of a tangent. A game just came out last week. I forget the name of it now. It's called Blazing Something. Um, I think it's Blazing Chrome. Waiting on the eShop to open so I can check. Um, Blazing Chrome, I want to say. Yeah, Blazing Chrome, uh, which is on the eShop. And that game is literally just Contra Hardcore 2, basically. Like, All right. It is graphically 
like level design and stuff it looks almost identical to contra hardcore like they were it's almost shameless and how much of a copy of it is but it seems like it's also got its own ideas and stuff like that but they very much were going for hey we're making a new contra hardcore which is quite cool because the last one of those which i also liked was hardcore uprising which was i think it was arc system works that did that it was like the more anime one for like the 360 and stuff like that um that was also good but yeah it's it's a good time to like konami games despite konami not really making any new ones yeah fair enough everyone else is picking up the slack it seems um speaking of picking up the slack though yes nintendo refuses to make a new advance wars they refuse to give us what we want yep has anyone managed to you know (laughs) fill that void mike well, funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was or is a company, Area 34 or Area 35. They change their name some, depending on what they're doing. Um, and there's a bit of a story. I'll come back to that. But they have they brought out a game a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a failed Kickstarter called Tiny Metal. And then the game came out and quite good and they've now brought a sequel out and it's tiny metal full metal rumble it is as kieran was alluding to it's a it is basically advanced wars but there's <laughs> it's a shameless ripoff <laughs> and uh this version is a little cheaper the, the sequel's cheaper than the first game quite a bit actually and uh currently i saw that as well on... i was kind of confused i thought it was dlc to start with yeah, same. So you can pick it up for the... It's got the introductory discount on it at the moment, so you're looking at about 10 quid or something. So I picked it up, and it is Advanced Wars in terms of the kind of units and the way they behave. So if you're looking for that military setting, because mm-hmm. we don't really have uh, an Advanced Wars type game with you know that's set with sort of... Uh, modern day military we've got the war groove which is kind of fantasy based yeah it's more fantasy um, like i think a lot of ways like war groove looks the part more than this does of an advanced wars game but then yeah it's still doing fantasy rather than modern yeah. military. so this it looks a bit more modern you know it, you've still got the isometric uh, yeah, well, this this time you've got the isometric view rather than complete top down. You have the the units; you can zoom in and out on them. Uh, and but it's the way that the game plays that is more. You know, that's the advanced war things that they've got. Uh, the way the units move, the way the units behave, what they do, the the kind of rock paper scissors um, formula. You know, so the inventory stronger than our uh, the bazooka guys, but the, both of them are weak to the, you know, the scout. But the yeah. scout is weaker than da da da, and that whole thing. That's basically lifted from Advance Wars. If you have played <laughs> Advance Wars and you remember how all the units interact with each other, yeah, the the tutorials in this are. The fun, they're, they're useless, which is quite. <laughs> they just I pop think up and say, "Just go play Advance Wars." 
You should, they, you should know this. You know, done your training. Exactly. They they kind of they must know that because when they do the tutorial, there's the skip. You know that so you can skip the whole tutorial yeah. uh, and it's not tutorial missions that the, the missions get progressive it's a story and the first couple are the introduction to the story introduces units they drip feed the units in which is an advanced war thing in the story this does that as well but uh, the levels themselves are not introductory level you know the, the, that was the thing about advanced wars it never was they would give you five units and say, right, the object here is to go from here to here. These units, uh, they can move far, but they're not very strong or they're very strong and they don't move far, whatever the case was. And once they explained how the units worked, that's it. This is your objective. This is what you need to do. Yeah, they never Tiny... really like, held your hand through it. It was just kind no, of, this is what no. things do, do it. Yeah, and it was always possible to fail. Yeah. If you weren't paying attention, you would fail the level. Tiny Metal emulates that whole thing. It's got it down pat as well. Uh, I really like it. They've got uh, they've got voice actors in. So remember the conversations in kind of the last few Advance War games. Uh, before each mission, you'd have the two sides, and there'd be a general in each, a leader. So they've got that system mm -hmm. in here as well. And there is the conversations. Oh, you're part of the stinking enemy. Yes, I am. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that kind of dialogue. But of now you've got voice you've got voice actors doing it. And it I like it. It's some of them are they they're playing it really bad. And I think they are they're doing it on purpose. Uh I yeah. think that was kind That's of direction they were for. given. They're going for that kind of yeah. cheesy old school anime um, vibe. Every unit that you sp uh, you click on, they have one or two things uh, that they say, um, and it's not contextual or anything. It's just program things, you know. Uh, when he clicks on this, randomly pick one of these six things to say. Yeah. So you've got the the helicopter gunships, and you collect you click on one of the when you click on one of them. Uh, one of the things is the little pilot goes da 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 da. <laughs> it's stupid, but I I love it. It's it's excellent. They've thought about these little things the way that they say you know it's tailored for the unit, which is quite cool. Um, really good it's solid game good. yeah um definitely worth picking up what i didn't realize about these guys so area 35 i've, I've already forgotten the name uh, i think it's 35 but these guys are partly kieran can you remember a couple of years ago there was a kickstarter for uh an rpg that was announced and um uh, Umatsu, who does the music for Final Fantasy, was involved. There was writers yeah. from, and it was called Pro Phoenix Project. Yes. And both you and I were quite excited by it, but it was quite a grand and lavish Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And both, I can't remember if you had backed out because of monies, because we were backing other things at the time, but I remember we both said mm -hmm. it that it seemed very ambitious for what it was doing and that kind of scared me out of backing it and I, I didn't end up I ended up not backing it. 
Yeah, I can't remember why I didn't back it, but I think it was probably something along those lines, or because I, I think... was backing a bunch of other things. Yeah, it was a co- it was either one or two or a combination of those. Yeah. Well, that was back in I think 2013. Cut to now, where we are. The game never is still to come out. Also, these guys are partly responsible for that game. So, uh, what had happened? Apparently, there was some controversy as well. I was reading up on it. So these guys, uh, the the main developer of this game, uh, was one of the main guys. He started the the Kickstarter for Phoenix Project as well. Um, but they went away and they went to try and make Tiny Metal. Tiny Metal failed, um, or it got close to failing. And uh, they cancelled the project and said, you know, we're going to try and see if we can make the base game anyway um, through other channels. And they did. They they got the funding for Tiny Metal and made the game. Now, there was an employee, and I think he was a disgruntled employee. He claimed that the money came from the other Kickstarter project. Mm-hmm. And if you have a look, you can find a couple of websites that, I think maybe got burned by the Kickstarter things, but they they've written some articles and the they tend they they don't look like they're they're on you know they're unbiased. Let's put it that way. They tend to know, skew that, one that way. That story that story went around pretty much everywhere. I don't think I would make that claim at all. Like that that story about the, the money being embezzled was it seemed oh, credible no. at the time. No, no, no. Sorry, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that it was made up. Uh, I'm saying some of the stuff that I'd read, there was some of them that was, you know... Okay, I just mean that most of... I'd say that, that that also got posted by, like, you know, Kotaku and stuff like that. Like it was, yes, yeah. Yes, it was... Yeah, because... Yeah, because... People I, looked into it enough. Yeah, I... Because the, the first place that I found was one of these fanboy sites, and he was he was skewing it... What, skewed it one way, and I found another fanboy site that skewed it the other, and yeah, I definitely. eventually... I, I had to... I had to dig and find like the Kotaku stuff, <laughs> yeah. the, the the PC gamer stuff. I eventually had to find it. It was buried under all this fanboy stuff. So sorry, that's what I was getting to. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's just I wanted to make sure that's clear <laughs> for people listening, so it doesn't sound like you're going these fucking mainstream. <laughs> these fake <laughs> no, news. No. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, they they so they the kind of uh, the, the fanboy sites kind of. I, yeah, I think they, they very they, much jumped on it and were like, let's, you know, yeah, let's and they still, take this down. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I didn't realize that about this company. Um, and I believe it did hurt the sales of the first one, but they've made the second one. Um, and it is really damn good. That's good. I might uh, pick up. I, my only issue is that I have so many other strategy games to play. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm the same, but I really like this. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair. really, yeah, it is really, really good. Um, I, I think, I like it more than Wargroove. All right. Yeah. I, uh, it's. I've played a couple of missions of Wargroove. This, I, I can't stop. I'm <laughs> eight or nine mission, eight or nine missions into it. It just That's reminds fair. me so much of Advance Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is really, really good. 
So definitely you should check that out. Um, yeah, definitely. I think there's a demo for it as well, wasn't there? There is, uh, yeah. So, so that's the other cool thing. If you download the demo, uh, you can then play. They let you play through four or five of the missions, and you can try them multiple times before you move on to the next one. So it's either, sorry, it's like, yeah, it's three or four missions in the store, the campaign mode that you can play, and then it, it kind of says, right, do you want to pl- do you want to buy the game, and okay. that's cool. And your progress will be saved. Uh, your progress is saved and carried over into the main game. Nice. Which is cool. So definitely you should check that out. Um, Kieran, you have been playing Gato Roboto. Yes. Uh, I can't remember if I talked about this game on the podcast before or not. Um... Uh, no, I don't think so. It, it, it sounds like some sort of dessert. <laughs> I mean, it is in terms of gaming. Uh, Gato <laughs> Roboto is an, a kind of full 8-bit uh, 2D platformer, very much in the style of Metroid, like not Metroidvania, not like Super Metroid. It is literally trying to copy, or not copy, but is inspired by like Metroid. And the game starts with you you know, in a spaceship and this this guy and this cat are flying through space and they get a distress signal from this planet below and they try to land and they crash. And the pilot is like, oh God, I'm like super injured. I'm like bleeding out here. Cat, go get help. Go, go, go get help, cat. And the cat gets out, climbs into a mech suit and gets going. <laughs> And it's so good. It's really goofy. It's really silly, but then it's also just like a really solid. Like it doesn't do anything super unique with the you know like the gameplay mechanics. It's kind of just a really by the numbers but really well made like two D Metroid game. Uh huh. Um, but it does have a couple little things like so. Uh, for example, the mech suit can't go into water, so you have to get out of the mech when you want to go into water and swim as this little cat but when you're a little cat you can't damage enemies or anything so you die in one hit if you're not in the mix so you have these sections that are just like these intense uh, platforming sections where you're trying to avoid any enemies because you can't shoot anything and it's really fun there's like little puzzles where you're trying to you know activate you know uh, conveyor belts and stuff like that to make sure that you're uh, your mech suit also makes it to the end of the level so you can get back in it at the end of the level and it's all just really cool I finished it because it's also not that long it's probably about maybe 5 or 6 hours um, which isn't bad for the price I I can't remember off the top of my head how much it cost but it was relatively cheap right um, but I just really enjoyed it I really love like the art style of it's really good Like it's just this simple uh, black and white Kind of like um, a game I played a few months ago, Minute. It's got similar kind of style to that, just the same kind All of right, black yeah. and white look to it. Um, one of the collectibles you can find is actually color cartridges that will let you change it from black and white to, for example, like you know, Game Boy colors or Virtual Boy colors and that kind of stuff. And that's pretty neat. Uh, and then it's also got some really good writing in it as well. Like, there's not a lot of story and stuff in it, but there's you know, for example, one of the first bosses you encounter is this little mouse that climbs into, you know, also a giant mech suit to fight you. And 
the mouth shows up and your like human instructor is you know talking to you and he's like all right all right cat go fight that mouse and the cat never speaks it just you know meows all the time and the mouse right. turns around and goes ha like i can take you out no problem why are you even here and your guy's just like wait a minute what and he goes i said squeak 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 and it's like <laughs> and it just cuts to like the boss fight and it's just like okay what <laughs> um <laughs> And that's like a kind of running joke where this mouse will start speaking and the guy's just like, have I lost more blood than I thought? Like, what is going on? What? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really like it. It's a nice, simple little puzzle, uh, platformer and it's not that expensive. It's on everything, I think. Actually, it might not be. I think it might only be switching PC now I think about it. Um, but these are also the same guys that made that Devolver... Um, the... What was it called? The one that Devolver released at E3 that was a rip-off of all their own games. Oh! The bootleg bundle? Yes. Um, so they made that. They made like all the mini-games in that, as far as I'm aware. Which is right. really good. Because one of the games in that is a parody of this game. Because right. this game is like very obviously very openly inspired by Metroid. And the game that they made in the bootleg collection is called Castlevania. Ah, uh, right. And it's a 2D Castlevania game where you play as the same cat, but instead of getting in a mech suit, it gets in a suit of armor. <laughs> and then it does like the, the Ghosts and Goblins thing of when you get hit, you lose your armor. But instead of, you know, turning back into a cat, you're like this big buff guy with a cat for a head. Uh, right i can't remember but i think he's also wearing like the you know the the heart uh covered boxers that you would expect from a ghost and goblins thing um but yeah the, like these guys very clearly have a quite a good sense of humor when it comes to making games and can also make really good games so i look forward to seeing what else they do going forward because their their first couple of things that i've played have been very good cool um I don't have a good segue for this one. Tell me about virtual racing. <laughs> Tell me why you wrote virtual racing instead of virtual racing, like some kind of monster. Uh, because I was in a hurry. <laughs> That's and a good I'm, I, I'm, I'm fixing it. <laughs> so we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Virtual racing is. It was one of those when it first came out in the arcades that. It was one of the first uh, virtual what well, it wasn't a virtual reality game, but it no. used the graphics to look like the virtual reality stuff. Yeah, it was like you know, that kind of, kind of blocky things. Yeah. Stuff. It was weird. It, it was a weird cho um, choice in design because we already had really good looking games. We had kind of the, the Neo Geo games and graph in arcades. We had uh, mainly things like Samurai Showdown and things and things that looked really yeah. good. Virtual Racing comes along and it looks, it's got this blocky design to it, but the, the cabinet itself looked very good. It had the, the seat and steering wheel, so it was a impressive looking thing. But it was how it handled at the time as well. It was quite fiddly for a racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had the, the, the controls were quite delicate. You had to be careful. You could wipe out very easy. Um, 
and it was weird as well. It did this weird thing where the car would flip or spin um, when you hit something that you shouldn't have, and then it would land back and it was ready to go. <laughs> so you didn't do any damage or anything. It just, you know, the timer ticked down. Yeah. So it. I mean, that's how a lot of those arcade games worked. It was very much yeah. like, hey, go as long as you, like, try and, you know, you'll have a timer, not a. Yeah. So it had, it was kind of a, a mix between outrun and kind of driving games that we have now mm-hmm. so cut to now and their sega's doing this sega ages thing that they've got where they're bringing all of these games back they've brought back sonic they've done outrun they've done what was the helicopter one thunder uh, thunder force thunder no uh the helicopter one anyway and they I was also say rising did... thunder but that was a weird robot fighting game for a few years ago yeah, uh, and then they also did uh, Alex, uh, the, Kid. The, Alex the Kid. They've and they, they did quite a few on the 3DS as well. Uh, they did yeah. the 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 one with the the guy and he's got the big cannon under his arm. Uh, uh, Mega Man. Mega, yeah, we'll go with yeah. Sega presents. <laughs> it Mega was Man. Thunder Force. I was right. Thunder Force. Ah, yeah. right. I thought so, I was. I thought that's too generic a name. I was wrong. I'm making that <laughs> up. So yeah, so they brought all of these out, and now it's uh, Virtual Racing's time. Nice. The game is when you play it now. You they haven't. They've changed a few things to make it look good, and um, but this uh, the game holds up really well. It handles. It's still a brilliant racing game by today's standard uh you you do find it a lot easier to play now because we've just we've all evolved to the level that they wanted you to be in virtual racing yeah like simulation games are kind of yeah i mean let's face it they're kind of the only racing games that are alive now even the arcade racing games these days are mostly you know partially simulation things they're things like forza horizon and yeah and everything code master makes in general really yeah so yeah this is it's a simulation racing game um except it's formula one which even when it first came out was kind of a a strange choice um but i think that was them trying to distance themselves from anything else that they'd done and everything else was you know right this isn't the your usual arcade racing game and yeah. like i said it still holds up really well the the way the game plays um the only thing is it doesn't use the brake pedal as much as possible to especially in the beginner track so there's three tracks a beginner media expert and pro and the beginner track you can basically finish the game on one coin as it were um just using uh, controlled acceleration, you know, so taking your foot off the accelerator at certain points, you don't really need to use the brake. The brake does come into play in the other two tracks, but mm. other than that, it's pretty much this is the granddaddy of the racing games that we have now, um, and it's definitely worth the five pound to buy and check it out if you haven't ever played it before, or if you're looking for a bit of nostalgia. They have put a lot of work into this. 
Um, the reason I picked it up was I uh, there was a website, uh, another gaming website, and they had written about this, and the guy had given it a gushing. It wasn't even a review. He was just talking about what they've done to the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they've tidied it up uh, to make it look. They've just tidied up all the the bits so it doesn't look goddamn awful. Yeah, you know, the Sega 80s ports in general are like that. They have done good cleanup jobs. Yes, and he was gushing over the cleanup job that they've done. Um, there's really not much more to say about it. It is a solid, solid conversion. It's going for here in the UK. It's less than six pound. It's something daft like five fifty nine or something like that. Um, definitely worth the price for checking it out. Do it if you are interested in racing games. Yeah, you should be checking this one out. Cool. I might take a look at. It. Yeah. The um, only thing I yep. heard about it is it has like something stupid. I always say is like eight player local multiplayer or something like that. It does, yes. Yeah, they because they you see pictures of, I saw pictures of people running it just on the switch screen. It's like you can't make out any of the cars. <laughs> just like these tiny little boxes. It's like what is this? <laughs> so I've only done the the single player mode. Um, they they have got like helper mode. So they've realised that the game is still quite challenging. There's yeah. um, helper mode, so it takes away collisions and things like that to make it easier for you to play through the game and stuff. But mm-hmm. definitely it is uh, worth checking out. So I think there's only one other game to speak about, which you have already spoken about and that I haven't. Yes. Uh, yeah, I took my time in getting this one. Uh, so oh, I God damn this... time. Yeah. I picked it up during the Prime Day sales. I was always going to pick it up we spoke about it when you did uh, spoke about it originally in the podcast because it is one of my favorite games of all time and this is the remake of Resident Evil 2. Yes. So this is something special. So just from good. the oh, just from the little that I've played they have taken Resident Evil and they've just moved it they've updated it this is what resident evil 4 now people are going to hate me because i'm bashing on resident evil 4 again but this is what resident evil 4 should have been so i and really like five, resident evil 4 and 6 and 7 i don't like any of those ones but i really like resident evil 4 but i also kind of agree with you in that i i think this is way better like I think resident evil 2 remastered is or remade is 100 percent my favorite resident evil game yeah so they've one of the things i I stayed away from a lot of spoilers and even when you were talking about it on, on the podcast as well, you were more talking about your experience, you didn't go into stories or anything like that. Yeah. They have rewritten the story. There are certain bits and, and things that it hits and certain mm-hmm. beats that it hits, but they are slightly different. Uh, and it is really, really good. It is really well done. It's well thought of couple of things missing that and a couple of things that I don't like when you start the game they've got they got rid of the voice why did yeah. they get rid of the voice so the <laughs> annoying thing about that is this is the one thing I dislike about this game they got rid of the voice so they could sell you the voice 
you're kidding. There is DLC that changes the music to be the original music from Resident Evil 2. And it also oh. adds the voice back in. Oh, okay. Hmm, to be fair, it, be... Doesn't, it doesn't cost very much. Um, and it's good. I'm, prob- but, I'm, yeah. prob- I'm probably going to buy it. I would also recommend doing like your first playthrough with the new music and stuff because the new music is right. also very good. Yes, yeah. Um, and the game I definitely re- feels like it was designed around the new music. Like there is yeah. more dynamic elements to some of it that the old yeah. music doesn't really do, but definitely like second playthrough or something. Yeah. So there are just a couple of things that I, I've picked up so far as well. Um, and I've, I've contrasted with the, the old game. And one of the things is where you used to go through the building. Now, we're talking, the game came out on the original PlayStation. When it first Mm -hmm. came out, it looked good, but it did have limitations. You could see there were things they wanted to do. So you would get some of the jump scares when you would walk through some of the corridors Mm -hmm. and a zombie would, almost Superman style, fly (laughs) through the window. (laughs) Um what they've done is they've went back and they've done it as per their what you imagine their original attention was. You walk into a room and there's, you know, there's a window and you can hear the, ah, ah, the zombie more and he smacks against the window and you can see him hmm. and you're going, the first time I've seen it and I thought, that window's not going to hold. You know what? Fuck it. I've got some ammo. I'm going to shoot him through the window because I'm not coming out of the room and getting the jump scare. It's not <laughs> happening. And so that was cool. But then there's a couple other places and the zombies at the windows as well. So that was always their intention that you could see them. Yeah. And, you know, it would build up that tension. Uh, they've also changed it a little bit with, with that in that you find uh, boards. And you can board up the windows. Board, yeah. You can reinforce the windows so they can't get through. I was going to That's say, if really you hadn't cool. reached that point yet, because you kind of don't... The windows don't last super long, but they last no. longer than you shooting out the windows do. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah the, the correct option... Well, not necessarily the correct option, but the option I, was, I always went with was if I don't have boards to board up that window... I'm leaving it because more zombies will show up and come through that window. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that is cool. One of the other things is the whole door mechanism that I really loved the old door, the way in the Resident Evil games, particularly 1, 2, and 3, where you would go through the door and it cuts this animation of the door opening and you would step through it. The reason they did that, it was a very, very clever way to hide the loading screen. And yeah. it also built up a little bit of shit. What am I going to find when this door opens when I go mm-hmm. through it? Obviously, we don't need loading screens as much or like that anymore. So when you open the door, you go through it immediately. The other thing that allows them to do is in certain areas, well, in most areas in the in the in the mansion, in the old game, you used to be able to go through the door and you kind of considered yourself safe you know if there was a zombie you would run through the door ha 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 he's on that side i'm on this side safe as houses zombies can open doors in this one because it's easier that a technique you know tech with technology um it's an easy thing for them to do now they just programming program the door opening and the zombie comes through brilliant fantastic 
love it. And it adds to one of the things that you always said uh, online and offline that you've said about the game is it adds to the survival horror. It brings survival horror back. And it even improves it over some of the things in Resident Evil 2, I think. Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, it's... Yeah, knowing that nowhere is safe, except for actual safe rooms, like, nowhere is safe. Like, there is... There are specific rooms where you have a typewriter and it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to get... I'm fine here. They usually have, like, big metal doors or something to let you know as well. So, the... Yeah, the second safe room that I found... Yeah, I think it's the second time that you find one of the save rooms, and it's on the in the in the police station. I wanted to say mansion, which is the first game, <laughs> but in the in the police station, it's on the bottom floor, and it's at the bottom of a stairwell, which is I think it's also the location of a safe room in the mansion in Resident Evil One as well. But anyway, you go you bought bottom of the stairs and there is a save room and there's a what do you call it a dark room in there as well where you can develop photos so that's one of the first times where you find another uh, drop box and another typewriter so you can save and go in and the lights off so go in the atmosphere atmospheric music is still playing and uh, I remember the dark room go in there, develop the photo, that's fine, and hit the light switch. And as soon as I hit the light switch, the old familiar safe room music started <laughs> playing. And I thought it was just a nice touch. It It, it is. is hitting on so many beats of the nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I'm really enjoying about it as well is that it does, it, it hits these beats to remind you, but it will also, there's some places as well where it's very quick to remind you that this isn't the game that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it wants to hurt you. It, you know, <laughs> there's, there's certain places where you go and you're expecting something to happen. And it doesn't. It And it will either not happen at all or it, it does it in spades and it comes back at you. So there was one of the times where I went through a hallway went into a room, did what I had to do, came out the room, and there wasn't the one zombie that I'd left in there. There was three or four of them. Yeah. And it's like, and you're just running. Um, Conversely, though, something that really works with the survival kind of horror element of it, if you find a room that has, like, windows in it, and you can board up those windows, and you board up those windows and kill all the zombies in it, Unless a zombie follows you in from another room, that room will stay clear. Like it's, you've cleared that room, it's basically safe. Ah, oh, right. With the exception of one thing that follows right. you around. No, that yeah, you you spoke <laughs> about that as well. So that's um, a couple other things that I like. I like He's in the original the... game. It's fine. Yeah, I like the knife. So the the knife attack, you once you found the knife in Resident Evil Two, I think in one you are you had you started off with the knife. But yeah, once no you've idea. got your knife in, your knife is your melee attack. And that's your backup. So when you run out of weapon uh yeah, weapons and ammunition, you've always got your knife as a backup. Mm-hmm. 
here it is possible to run out of to use up your knife and you've got nothing you have, yeah, you have no, literally nothing yeah you, you can't kick a zombie you can't spit at him you basically either run past him or you take strategic hits let him bite you in the neck run round you know yeah. because once you once he's bitten you he's he's on the ground you push him off you and you can get past him and that's so a good you, example you're, because your your knife you get a like a, a more damaging attack basically if a zombie grabs you they'll do a bit of damage and it gives you the option to hit them with your knife and you'll stab yes. them but you'll lose the knife until you kill him until you kill him and take and... it back but even when you get it yes. back it's going to have a massive amount of damage on it and it's not going to last yes. much longer after that so there are times in that game where you're running around with like i've got three bullets in my pistol and nothing else this zombie's grabbed me i'm just going to take the hit because i yeah. need the knife soon <laughs> i can't yes. risk it yeah uh, it's it has brought back the survival horror it is really really good i i've still got a long way to go i'm very early in it but I've, yeah i've played enough of it so i think i'm about an hour just over the hour mark into it so i've played enough to mm. you know get a good feel of the game so far and in terms of if i was describing how far i am in first you know in resident evil 2 on the playstation i would uh would have said that i haven't got to the the first time you see a liquor so it gives you an idea i'm not too sure if the liquors are in this uh they are i'm not 100 cool. sure if they're in the same place by this i don't remember much about resident evil 2 i, right. so I played resident evil 2 back in the day but i never finished it because i i just didn't like that old like isometric kind of clunky tank controlly resident evil yes. game never clicked yeah. with me um so i didn't really get into the series until four and then thought five was terrible and six was terrible and was like, yes okay, yeah yeah um liked revelations too liked never played revelations that kind of stuff um liked seven that's the thing is also seven feels like it was laying the groundwork for this and that it uh -huh. was it went back to the the mansion style of you know exploring and backtracking and finding keys for doors and that kind of stuff and it had a very kind of tyrant a figure that follows you around and stuff like that and this feels like it takes it to the next level though and is very much like yeah but what if it was that with no ammo though and it's like okay yeah what was that and but your inventory was like three slots and you need a gun in one of them and ammo in one of them it's like well that'd be bad that'd be tough i mean i'd <laughs> i'd die probably and it's like well it's fine you can get holsters how much do holsters add one space it's like that's not, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i loved it this thing i i glad that you're enjoying it as well because it was definitely yeah. one of those things where i played it at the start of the year the moment i finished it started my second playthrough because i was like i need to play that again and yeah. it's still probably the front runner for my game of the year this year wow like, I, I i loved it that much yeah i'm very impressed the one thing that i've noticed i haven't had a chance to check it out yet but i was playing about the the start the menus at the beginning of the game there's the extra stories are they just kind of what are they have you played through them uh no i didn't see what those were oh really um yeah so at the if you start up the game there 
at the start menu, it's you go into extras or is it extra modes? And there's three different stories. And I think they're played from the from what I can gather. Oh, the it, Ghost Survivor stuff. Yes, that's it, yeah. Yeah, those are I think they were DLC. Uh, yeah, I've not played those. Um But yes, those are from the perspective of other characters. One of them is the I I don't know. One of them is the the gun shop owner from the original game. He was all oh, right, okay. Um, because he comes back in this. They they moved when his section happens, but like it happens. Um, oh, okay. Uh, one of them you play as Hunk, and I don't know what the other one is, or the other two. Ah. But yeah, it's they're they're. I think they're supposed to be relatively short. I've not played them because I didn't buy the, the the DLC to start with. Well, um, or this, maybe they're not I've, paid I've, DLC. Yeah, I've not bought any DLC. Weird. Maybe maybe they are free then. I just haven't played them. Maybe they weren't out when I got them. And they've released them since then. Not possibly, sure quite possibly. Because um, I did buy DLC for it. Because I bought I bought the costume DLC because I'm a sucker. Ah. Um, uh-huh. And I was like, hey, I can wear this noir outfit. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can play. I can play using the skins from the original Resident Evil Two. That looks real bad. Great. <laughs> I, well, they, they did do the. They brought back alternative costumes, and the way they did it was in Resident Evil 3, if you had saves of previous games and you had a save from Dino Crisis and you had mm-hmm. saves from Resident Evil 2, you could go into the wardrobe and change a cost- change Jill's costume to her original costume from Resident Evil 1. You could change into the the main character from Dino Crisis and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but now think, you have to... Yeah, you have to buy them in this. Yeah. I think you do unlock... I think you unlock their original outfits at some point. But oh, then okay. if you want, if you want the actual, like, low polygon PS1 look... Like the original you have to outfits, pay for it. Yeah, like the original outfits is, like, you know, the actual... They're remade in the new style and stuff like that, but they look like yes. old outfits. Because obviously they've updated yeah. how they look now. Of um, course, yeah. But yeah, then the DLC ones add like, yeah, you can play low polygon Claire and Leon if you want, and uh, Goofy, or there's like a noir outfit, or I think Claire has the outfit from the leaked, like unfinished Resident Evil Two from back in the day that had like a different character and stuff like that. Oh, um, okay. She has that outfit. Uh, I forget what else Leon has, but yeah, uh, at very least anyway though. This another one of those things where I recommend like just using the default outfits for your first playthrough. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. they do the whole like you know, like the Batman Arkham thing where you know, things happen throughout the story and that sticks with your costume for the rest of the story. That kind of stuff. Cool. Battle yeah, damage. That... Yes. The... Battle damage, Leon Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. I was playing through and Obviously, when Leon starts the game, he looks slightly different from Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, ah, I don't know about this. But the story, he then gets into the police station. And the way that he goes from looking like he does at the beginning of the game to the Leon that you remember from Resident Evil 2, 
is quite nifty as well. It's the game is so good. It's good, and also it, something we haven't really touched on. It looks great. <laughs> oh, looks fantastic! So I'm playing it uh, with the HDR turned on as well. I did all the the changes to the display, followed all that through, and the game looks absolutely brilliant. That's the one thing I miss about playing on PC is that I don't have like HDR displays on my PC, so I didn't, uh, right. I didn't get any of that. But it still looked great. Uh, um yeah, just really, really good. So you should pick it up. Oh, did you not have it on PlayStation Four? No. No, I got it on PC. It came with. Oh. So it's a dumb thing. AMD were doing a thing where if you bought a graphics card, you got a copy of Resident Evil Two, The Division Two. And Devil May Cry 5. Nathan got one of those bundles and gave me a copy of Resident Evil 2 because he'd already bought Resident Evil 2. I was like, great, right. a copy of Resident Evil 2. I'm into that. Um, kept the other two things for himself because that's why he got the bundle. I bought yep. Devil May Cry 5 on the PS4, played through it, etc. Then earlier this year, later after that though, I upgraded my graphics card. Uh-huh. And I got that bundle. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I actually still have a spare copy of Resident Evil 2 for PC. <laughs> oh, nice. Excellent. But, yes. Uh, so, and I was uh, very happy with the price that I picked it up for as well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, picked it up at a good price. But, yeah. I think I will be with you come the end of the year when it's you know, within the top five and, and Resident Evil 2 is going to get a mention. Um, 100%, yeah. Yeah. It will definitely come up in our discussions. Good. Yeah. Cool. Is it cool. time for Marvel Ultimate Alliance yet? We still have about two hours. Oh, fuck. So we can talk right, about okay, board like, games for a bit. Yeah, let's talk about some board games then. We can easily talk about board games for two hours. Oh, God, yeah. We have so, multiple line games to talk about. We do. So, Kieran, myself, and Ben, we met up and we played some games. We did. Uh, friend of the show, Tam, was there as well. Um, joined mm-hmm. us for a couple of games. So, we played a couple of games. We played some Kobayakawa. Yes. Wait, I was going to say also, was, the, was our other part of our group not also friend of the show? Yes, Stephen is. <laughs> I forgot. Steve. God, God, forgive me. Steve, yeah, um, yeah. Stephen was there as well. I forgot Stephen was there because Stephen joined it. Yes, a little bit he, later. Yeah, yeah, he joined us a little bit later. That's what it was. So yeah, because we played one game when he wasn't there, and yeah, so that's what it was. <laughs> but yes, yeah, enemy of the, the show, man, Stephen. Yeah, enemy of the show. Despite the fact that he's covered what three board game conventions and interviewed countless people and yeah yeah yes, nice one definitely. mike <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we so we played some kobe yakawa yes um so kieran it. has spoken about it before simple little gambling game um it is awesome. It's really good. I this so this was the first time I played it, and we played it twice. Yeah, we played you know a few rounds of it to start, 
uh, as a nice little kind of warm-up game. Yep. Then we played a bunch of other stuff, and then they got to the end of the evening, and anyone's had like a board game day will know that kind of point at the end of the evening where you're like, okay, well, we're kind of done, but usually there's like someone has to... For, in this case, it was I had to wait an hour for a train. So we're like, well, let's play one more thing then. And none of us could board play anything, so it's like, well, let's play something we've already played. Kobiakawa is super easy. Let's yep. do that. I really like that the first time we played it, we were all very much like relaxed and not taking it super seriously. And yes. All of us were kind of like just talking through our thoughts and being like, oh, well, Mike played, Mike put down a three. Well, I guess we should probably very basically describe the rules for people again. Um, Kobiakawa, everyone has one card. There's a card in the middle and a deck of cards. On your turn, you can either flip over the top card to replace that middle card, or you can re- take a card and look at it, compare it to yours, keep one and put the other one face down, uh, face up in front of you. And then at the end of everyone doing that once, everyone bets on whether they think they have the highest number or not. And then whoever has the highest number wins. But also if you have the lowest number, you add the number in the middle to yours as well. And if you win based on that, you still win. Um, but yeah, so we were doing a lot of like thinking allowed about things so be like oh mike put down a three that must mean that you know he you know picked up something much higher or you know maybe got a four or something because the number that's in the middle is like a 10 so that'd be a good people are probably not gonna be able to get lower than a four so he's gonna get that plus the 10 so maybe he's and you same thing kind of loud and stuff like that and everyone's kind of laughing about it and stuff and yeah yeah that second time Everyone was just like fucking dead serious, just like <laughs> looking at each other, trying to look for tells, be like, Mike put down a three. Mm, all right. And it's yeah. just, it was so good. Oh, it is an awesome little game. Really, really good. And just like you were saying, that there's the two ways to play it. You know, you can, you can get really serious about it or you can just, have fun with it it's it is definitely one of the strongest games that oink have brought out mm-hmm. and yeah it's you're kind of a little bit mad that we never picked it up when yellow brought it out but at the same but now that we both have that really nice version with it with the yeah. nice chunky metal coins i, kind of I am glad we yeah 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 just, this this version of it is I never used the yellow version, but hearing it had like you know cardboard chits and stuff like that, it's like I don't know. doesn't sound good. Yeah, or yeah. doesn't sound like what you'd want. No, sure, no. Obviously, would have played fine because the game is so simple. You could play yes. with the deck of cards and actual money yeah. if you wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, really, really, really good game. Definitely. Uh, we also played. Shall we talk? quickly about flotsam fight which was the other oink game that we played yes i would also rank this up there as like one of the better oink games yeah yeah i was i was really surprised at how good it was i'd read through the rules and i thought they'd be quite good and sort of ran through it by myself to get used to it but um just playing it is really good so the game is you have a deck of cards and there's 98 cards they're ranked they've all got a, a number on them 1 3 to 99 and you get dealt a hand of cards uh, depending on how many players i think it goes 
between five or seven cards per player. You on the table you have got eight lifeboats and each of the lifeboats have um, numbers. So there's, I think it's two, three, four, and five, and then six, seven, eight, ten, or something like that. Um, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the exact numbers on the boats. But how the game is played, what you're trying to do is get rid of the your your deck of card, your hand of cards, be the first one to play them off. And how you do this is you've got a card and it's got a number on it but it also has a key on the side of the card and it tells you what lifeboat it can get played into so and it normally works out by factors if it's the number is five it could be played into boat number five and ten and anything in multiples of five can generally go into boat five or boat ten um you know so Mm -hmm. Number 14 can probably go into if there's seven and two, boat number seven and two. So that's kind of really stupid when Stephen pointed that out like two rounds into the game. And I was like, oh god, that is why the numbers are there. That is why they're broken <laughs> up that way. And I was like, I'm so thick. What is this? <laughs> so, yeah, so you, you end up, and that's that seems fair enough. The trick, as there is normally a trick and a twist in all of Oink's games, is that you can't use all of the lifeboats. You can only use as many lifeboats as there are players in the game. So if you're playing a four-player game, you can only use four of the eight lifeboats. So that means that probably, you know, given the law of averages, there won't be one person that would be able to empty their their, their um, their hand of cards in one round. You know, you're probably going to have to play a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So what happens is people play and they use up the lifeboats. Once you can't play anymore, you pass. Um, and one, yeah, so it allows somebody to maybe try and use up all the cards. If you get to a point where everyone passes, then we clear all the cards. It's like winning a, a trick in a, a trick-taking game. Yeah. The all the cards get cleared, so all the lifeboats are clean again, and the person that didn't, you know, the the last person still alive gets to play, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you play until somebody empties their hand of cards, and then you get points. So five points for player one, three points for player two, and player three gets minus points or whatever and yeah like that uh and then you play three rounds whoever's got the most points wins very very simple i really enjoyed what it did... yeah i very sorry <laughs> no no <laughs> uh, i was just gonna say that i really liked how tactical everyone kind of got with when they played certain cards because you know the whole thing is you you can't play a card somewhere if the card there is higher than yours. Yes, that was so, the, the one like, rule that I'd forgot. So, like, if the number there... So, for example, some of us were, for example, starting the the four boat. So, you know, yes. They can have things divisible by four, and we would place down, like, 20. And then the person <laughs> that had the four card would be sitting there like, 
motherfuckers, I literally can't play this. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. Because, like, for example, the 8 will start at 8. Like, 4 will not be playable under the 8 lifeboat. It will only be 4. Yes. And it's like, this is literally <laughs> the only place I can, I can put this on. Um, and that was really fun. And so you did a lot of that, where there was a lot of trying to, not necessarily guess, but you're, there was some element of kind of trying to, you know, roughly guess where, you know, other players' cards could go based on, like, how the round was going. Because you could yeah. be like, oh, well, they had to pass, and based on how it is, they definitely don't have anything from the seven lifeboat because that's only sitting at 14 just now. So if they had anything, they would have played it. But, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And it meant that at the start, you could rush to try and, you know, start up all the lifeboats that people didn't need. <laughs> and be like, yeah, great. It's my turn. I open up, I don't know, 10. And everyone's like, what? No, what? Yeah. And that was fun. Um, I I really enjoyed it. It's like it's just a simple little trick trick taking game. Like there's not limiting the amount of places you can place your tricks is definitely a good twist on it though. Yeah, and just, it's simple I, enough that it's pretty, easy yeah. to teach and learn. Yeah, and it is. It's it's when you get a a game day and you bring two oint games and they are both just fantastic. Um, yeah, definitely. And also some I, of the best like art and card design that I've seen from Oink. Like I like all of Oink's designs in general. Yes. But the way that they put the the key for where you can place the cards and stuff like that on the cards is just very smart. Yeah. So they've got them on the side of the cards, but the way that they've designed it, you can either hold the cards left-handedly or right-handedly. Mm -hmm. So. Somebody you can that's fan them out and still see the whole key, so exactly. you can kind of group them together and stuff. Which is really smart. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, uh, just in case anyone's thinking that's a silly thing, depending on you know how left-handed people and right-handed people fan cards, they fan them out in different directions. Yeah, and yeah, so but that, that they've taken care of that. You can see them no matter what way you fan them out. Just very, very clever. Definitely, and it looks nice. It's not like the just stuck a bunch of data onto the corners of each card and you're like that's gross it it looks like a very readable nice card with some nice artwork yes. in the middle as well yeah it was great i really enjoyed it cool is that one you have uh i don't but i'm probably recent... gonna buy it now yeah so still got uh, quite a few oink games to play through as well i think you're the same there's still a few you need to yeah sort of work through I... the collection I have been bolstering the collection recently, but I've not been playing any of them. <laughs> I, I've got better. Uh, I have got better, so I think I still need to play the tomato game, but I have family yeah. visiting this week, so I've taken it. I've My niece is here who loves board games and all sorts of card games and things, so I think, I think she's really going to like that one as well. Yeah, that, that one definitely seems a bit more kid-focused as well. So yes, yeah, so I might take that. I, I may that. take Zogan as well. Zogan would also be a good chat. Uh, I have that Mr. Face. Oh, yes, um, yeah, because we never got a chance to play it. We never got a chance to play it, but uh, Mr. Face, from what I've read the rules, is basically, for people who've played it, it's like Dixit, but instead of in Dixit, or Drawful, if you've played the you know, the Jackbox games. Oh, yes. Instead, yeah. of, instead of like someone drawing or you know, putting down a 
you know and and dicks it as like a piece of artwork and then you give a vague description of it and everyone puts down another piece of artwork that might also fit that description um what happens is you have all these little pieces to make a face like you literally move them about like it's like the the face molding game from mario party and you'll have a hand of cards and you'll have one that's you know whatever emotion they're they're really vague they're really usually things like they're like events it's like what like a reaction to a thing and you make the face that you think that would be kind of recognizable as out of these little pieces yes yeah face pieces and then everyone else puts down the same way they put down a thing that is they think will trick people basically and everyone votes on which one they think is the right one like it's basically the exact same rules as something like Dexit, but with the added twist of you're basically drawing a face and it's really good <laughs> or it seems really good I need to play it um but then yeah i've got a bunch of other ones i've still not played modern art which was what i was very excited about but i've still not played it um but it's a nice box to own and that's the important thing yes um Speaking of next boxes, we played Space Base. We did, yes. I dominated oh. in Space Base. <laughs> I was so happy with that win. Oh, I, I love that game. It is fast becoming one of my favorite games. I really so like it. we have spoken about it a couple of times on the podcast. It is basically, it's Machikoro in space. Yeah. Um, so you have you start off with a space base. You have uh, assets in your space base of one to twelve, and they give you various things. They can give you money, they can give you income, or they can give you points, victory points, which you're event. It's essentially what you're playing towards. That's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. On your turn, you will roll dice. Uh, Based on the outcome of those dice, you can get rewards of various ways. So let's say you roll a a four and a five. You can either take the benefit of base number four, base number five, or you can add the two together, four and a five, to get nine and take the benefit of base number nine. Uh, The bases, the benefits of the bases, the higher the number, the, the, the better the benefit normally. And that's basically because it is easier to roll, you know, a four. Uh, it's easier to roll a four than it is to roll a twelve, you know, because mm. you need to roll double six. So that's basically the game in a nutshell. One of the other things that you can do as well is that you can buy upgrades. So obviously, once you get money, you can buy upgrades to your bases and replace them with something else. But the cards that you replace them with have a secondary benefit. So, and how you activate that is you replace the base with something and then you slide it in the top of the base. And then when somebody else rolls their dice, if you have a benefit on along those numbers that they rolled, you get that benefit as well. Yeah. And they stack, which I think is the important yes. thing. So you yes. end up by the the game having, uh, for example, my strategy was to focus around the things that were more likely to come up. So my, it was like my four to eight range basically, were stacked up with these benefits from other people's roles. So the more, because those were the roles that came up the most. So 
I had stacked those up. So every time you know Mike rolled a four and a three, I was like, well, I can. I got seven, and that gives me three victory points and five money, and and I think that's a good twist on it from Machikoro because Machikoro has that thing very much where you have to you you do invest that you kind of have to invest in buildings that do the same thing, but it's a much slower way of doing it. Whereas this is every time you're investing in anything, you're making like more income from or more potential income from other people's turns like it's yeah no, no matter what upgrade you get it's going to replace something because you start with a fully kitted out base and so something is going to get flipped and i i like that because it ke- it means that you're never tuning out of other people's turns because right from the start right from your very first turn you're gonna have something flipped over so when someone else's turn comes up you're like well I need to pay attention because if they roll a four, that's the one I've got flipped over, so I'll get something from it. Yeah, it's just fucking clever, is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> and then you um, use your. What was that? I'm trying to remember what I did. There was. I had. Oh, so you had stacked abilities. Uh, one of your abilities, quite powerful on its own, but it's one of those that you would overlook it, where you could change the roll on one of your die before yes. you. So, so before you roll the die, you change the value of it. Uh-huh. And then you can use it and, twice. So I charged yeah. it twice and used it twice to set both the die. And then yeah, but it it was one of those that was like a a one in a million shot for you to be able to 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 charge it twice. Yeah. And somehow you, yeah, the just the, the dice rolled in your favor. Dice rolled in my favor, and also it helped that, or it, it was especially lucky because you were basically about to end the game. <laughs> oh God, yes, yeah. The thing's worth knowing that 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 game basically ended with me and you racing towards victory because yes, because you picked up. There's a card that just says you win the game. It ignores victory points, it ignores everything else, just if you charge it, what was it, three times? Um, three times, players, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you win the game. And the way you charge things in your charge is you have to roll that number, and every time you roll a number, you put a charge on it. And this is a 12, so the odds of rolling it, minuscule. Never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But if, for example, you put, you get another card that has an ability that is, hey, when you roll this, charge another thing. Or something similar to that, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Yeah. Um. Then yeah, you're like, oh well, this is like a six or a seven or something like that. And it's like this is that's way more likely to come up, and I can use it to charge the twelve, and then I'll win. And you were like one or two in. It's like, or I think you were one in because you had to roll double threes yes. or whatever it was on to be able to win the game instantly. Yes. And yeah. I ended the game, and did so by doing this thing where. I set both, I, I set both of my die to six, so I could use my twelve, which, the power of my twelve was, to, I can't. Oh, yeah, I, I forget what it I, was. I think it, I think it was to use, use the space to your left or your right or something. But it basically it cost it, a chain reaction where you ping ponged yeah. across your entire board. I think it did something else as well, and that's why it was there. It was like it, it was used the one to your left, but like also get X amount of victory points or something like that. 
and then yeah i the one on my left was get two cards basically it was just take a a level one card and a level three card and Uh use them and so i did that and then i used another ability that let me uh redo the turn i had done or redo the the action that i had taken based on the number so so i couldn't have gone this is two sixes i'm doing two sixes this time i had to do 12 again but it meant i got Uh the victory points on 12 got to take another two cards and each of those cards i picked i made sure flipped over my other cards so that i was getting victory points from other people's turns and so the victory points i got from 12 hit me over the limit and once you hit the limit everyone else gets a go and then it comes back and then the game ends but even though i was you know basically done and had to just wait for it to come back around in the game to end I was getting more and more victory points every time anyone rolled a die. So everyone was yes. like, I think it was Tam that was like, I can catch up with him, it's fine. And they rolled a die and got me another like eight victory points. I was like, no, you, you can't. Like, I'm in, I've got this. Um, it was really good. I really liked it. Um, I look forward to doing, you picked up that expansion that has the, the kind of, it's not legacy, but you know, the kind of campaign stuff. Yes. And I want to try yeah. that. I, I am. The reason we didn't was Tam hadn't played it before. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was. And the the space, the table space that we had wasn't that big, so it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. Let's just play it without. Uh, without the that expansion. Yeah, but Thanks, yeah, Tam. I can't wait to actually play it with the expansion. Yeah. Same. Interesting um, seeing what but... twists they add to that yes yeah and the the whole thing about it as well is once you've finished each of these they've got uh, mystery boxes and they're chock full of components and these components get carried through the next uh through the games mm-hmm. and they've already announced the next box set and it adds a fifth and a sixth player hmm Oh, no, sorry, a sixth and a seventh player because it plays up to five already. Yeah, yeah. That's you can play right, a yeah. seven player game with Space Base. I wonder if that would be good. Um, I'd hope it would be. It's that thing, I though. Think... Sometimes when board games, when you add more players, it doesn't necessarily make them better, it just makes them longer. But yeah, Space Base I think... is pretty I... fast as is, so I think it'd probably be all right. Yeah, I think it'd be all right. And because so... you've got that inbuilt thing where you have to pay attention to other people's turns because you'll get stuff from it. Yeah, that'd probably that'd probably good. So yeah, no, I think it would be. But yeah, it's still one of my favorite board games at the moment. Yeah, I loved it. I've played it before, but I, I mean, I like this time way better because I won. But <laughs> um, no, no, I, I really liked it last time as well. Like last time, I almost bought it, and this time I'm similarly like on the fence. Like, should I get it? I'll just play it with Mike, it'll be fine, but I can, I can buy my own copy. <laughs> it'll never get used, but I can buy my own copy. Um, I probably won't buy it. Right. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Similarly, True. I also liked Fortune. Yes. Yeah, so for- Fortune is the latest in Friedman Freese's Fast Forward. Mm-hmm. I think and I'd maybe wager also to say one of the best ones of the Fast Forward series. Yeah, 
yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at that. It's a a fair assessment. It's so this one is the the theme of it. It's like a slot machine, mm-hmm. and you you're basically playing, you know. Uh, your hand of cards you've got uh, you eventually end up with a hand of three cards and you're looking for the best combination of the three numbers yeah at the beginning of the game those three numbers will you you want the highest number whatever the yeah, highest basically number the is rules we described for kobe okawa but without the shared card yes yeah the highest number wins the the thing about the fast forward games is the rules and everything else is explained and revealed to you as you play the game more. So that they'll bring out various things, and don't I don't think we do we want to reveal more than that really as to what it what else it brings in. Um, not really. I guess uh, it's kind of hard to talk about otherwise, but it adds more twists on that. Yes. Yeah. I think the one thing we can maybe say is that it adds different rules for it. has like a kind of flux component more so than the previous um, ones of these games have had. At least I felt. Yeah. Where it has not just. Because most of the previous ones, it will change the rules as it goes and add more on, basically, and make it a more complex game as you go. This yes. changes the actual goal more often, which mm-hmm. I. I don't remember at least Fortress or what was the other one I played? I didn't play Flea. What was the other one? Um, Fear. Yeah, so, so those two I don't Fear remember changing the actual rules too much. All oh, right, okay. Um, but I might be misremembering. They more like added things rather than changing a thing, if that makes sense. Without right. specifically going into detail. Um, so that was the one thing I would say that this does slightly differently that I think is worth noting for people interested in it. But obviously we can't talk too much without actually expelling what happens. But I would say it's definitely worth having. I like it. Um, I like of these these fast forward games. I think like my my two favorites are this and Fortress. Right. Okay. Um, I know I like Fortress a little bit more than you do, but. I think we both like Fortune quite a lot. Yes. Yeah, they're um, really good games. Uh, mm-hmm. It was... Yeah. Uh, just a lot of maths at one point as well. That is maybe <laughs> the was... one downside about it. Is there was literally like one of the rules that came up that made us just all sit and be like, all right, okay, we can do this maths, <laughs> I guess. Um yeah really good fun it's the first uh, which this i thought was a bit interesting it's the first fast forward game that i've played and not finished on my first sitting um and it kind of got to the the point where it was like right i've had you know we've played a lot of it i'm happy to move on and play something else but I didn't feel I didn't feel like I can't wait to see what else they're going to bring because the game was good enough and solid enough that I thought 
it felt like it revealed everything that it could, and the only other thing would have been things that we were expecting. And I don't mean that in yeah. a bad way. I think you know what I mean. It's just other like little flux type rules to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also it doesn't help that. Um, I mean, not unless it doesn't help again. I feel like invariably when you're making minor complaints about something, it makes it sound massive, but. Um, it doesn't help that as it changes the rules as you go on, the game length gets a bit longer. Like you said, it gets very mathsy at a certain point. And yeah. It specifically adds, I think, two different rules by the point we got to for extending the game. And so by the end, the game started getting quite long. And so, yeah, like we, we didn't get through the whole thing because you know people wanted to win each round. And so each round we were like, you know, extending the game round and round to try and push themselves to victory. Um, yes. So, which is interesting because, like, the core mechanics of it are literally, you know, you like the base game before you get any additions to it are, you know, you have a hand of three cards, you take a card and discard a card, and once six cards have been discarded in the middle, the game ends. Or you go, you go around once more, then the game ends. And it's like, yeah. it's designed to be super short, but then the stuff it adds later on is designed to make it not as short. Um, uh-huh. Which is an interesting kind of thing to it that I'm not 100% sold on, but I I did really enjoy the overall thing to it. Like, it's the thing, it's the part where I, I understand why we didn't finish the whole game in one playthrough, because those rounds were getting longer and longer, and it's like, well, let's... Yes. Let's play something else. <laughs> Let's play Space Space <laughs> or whatever it was we played after that. Yes. I do say I do think yeah, though it yeah. was worth it's good that we played it after Kobe Okawa. Because those core mechanics are basically Kobe Okawa. And so it was nice to see it was a good transition from here yes, is a yeah. super basic version of this game to here is one that evolves over time. But even at the start is a slightly more complex version of that game. Yes. Like you could, I don't know if it does, because we not to spoil it for people, but we also didn't get far enough that this happened. But if you added betting to fortune, it it would just be the exact same as the betting round in Kobayakawa. Like it would be, you could do it. It would be fine. It would work because it's the <laughs> same game. Um. But. I should be interested to learn actually if that's where it goes. If they maybe a bunch of those cards at the end of that are just like betting cards, and you're like, great. Oh yeah, or, or they turn them on their side, and right now you have money. Yeah, everything you discard is money now. Something like that. <laughs> like you could, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Maybe it does that. It's you know the stuff it did do was smart enough that I could totally see it doing that by the end of it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Yeah, um, and again, just looking forward to the next one that he does as well. Yes, definitely. Like, these have consistently been just, you know, really interesting games. Even the ones that I've not, you know, liked as much as other ones uh-huh. have been interesting, which is the important thing. Like, Although I will say that I think some of them, some playing some of these has made me not dislike, but realize that I don't like some of his previous things quite as much. Like I don't think I like Fable Fruit as much as I did at the time. Oh, really? Played, 
Like, I liked Fable Fruit, but even at the time, we were like, this is very much a kid's game. And it's like, it's structured in that way that is. I don't know. There's something about it that's like, even with the additional rules and stuff it adds in, like, I enjoyed it a lot and I really liked the artwork and stuff like that. Like, I went and bought a copy of it after playing it with yours because I. I uh, yes, it. yeah. But I feel like after playing these fast forward games it's like oh these are better implementations of that idea yeah it's it's the next step on yeah so i mean it's not it's not like it's made me dislike fable fruit it's just like it's it's made me realize that oh this is a better way of doing that like this yeah fable fable fruit was the the prototype it was the the first try Um, yes yeah but yeah i look forward to seeing the next ones of these like this little series has been great yeah, it's uh, like you say, it is going to be interesting to see what he does next. For sure. Cool. Excellent. I think the only other game that we have got to talk about is one that I played with Ben, and I think you are really curious to find out about. I am. I want to know if there's any good to like the game, it's, the video game it's based on. Yeah, so we have. Uh, got a review copy of Crusader Kings, the board game. So this is a board game from the Free League. Uh, They got the licensing for Crusader Kings from Paradox, and they ran a successful Kickstarter Mm -hmm. uh, last year. Friend of the show, Nathan backed that Kickstarter, and his copy showed off a couple of weeks ago, and has been sitting on a shelf in his house ever since. Cool. So Ben and myself, actually, we got... Uh, we were lucky enough to meet one of the designers of the board game at UK Games Expo last year. We spoke to him and we did a write-up on the website about it as well. So if you go to Glitch Free Gaming, you'll find it. It didn't give away too much information. You know, he showed us a, a prototype of the game. Um, there was very prototype co- uh, components and things. So the photos that you'll see there are not really indicative of the final product. On we only played one game. Um, it is it's a three hour game, so mm-hmm. I've got mixed feelings about the the whole thing. It, it's quite bizarre. So it's a three hour game. Um, you could probably you could squeeze that down into about two and a half hours. The reason uh, it was longer for us, or it took the full three hours, is first playthrough, but we played with an AI opponent because it's one of these three minimum players. But -hmm. you can add AI, and the AI has a set of rules, and the AI is not as good as any AI in the the Automa system from Stonemaier games that he uses in Scythe, Viticulture and Viticulture is the two that I've used. Um, you've you've used the the AI in Scythe, have you not? Yes, Play and Viticulture yeah. as well. I yeah. did. I played Viticulture single player. It's the only way I've played Viticulture. Ah, right. And it works really well. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I like it a bit more in Scythe than I did in Viticulture, but I did like it in both. No, fair enough. The, the AI system that they use in this game is a bit more convoluted if yeah it is it's programming but it's 
you have to read and you bounce around the real the rule book um you know so if you do this uh, if you can't do this do this if you can't do this do that um but it just points you in that direction and then there's obviously sometimes you can't do it exactly as you would do it for a human player because there's certain things that ai don't use so you end up reading rules and jumping backwards and forwards um as to what the game is itself, you are you're playing as one of various nations. You can play as the English, you can play as the French, Germans, and there's a couple down the bottom of the board. Kieran, you'd probably know better than me. That and you can play as kings, various kings from different areas. Yeah, I mean, if it's like a video or, game, or you can Eris also play as yeah, you can play as like Errols and stuff like that. You can play as yeah. Creator Kings 2, so, the video game, obviously I can't talk about the board game much, but the video game is more about like a lineage of families rather than, you know, yes. going yeah, to war and it. taking over countries and stuff. Like, you do some of that, but it's more about, you know, making sure that someone in your family inherits things and that you have family to inherit your things and, you know, yes. dating people and well, marrying off your heirs to other yeah i don't know yeah so that is that is it the the board starts out and you've got all your players and they've got their their areas that they control there is also independent states and these independent states will have you know a king or a queen on them themselves and these will be the pool where from which you would marry your king off on okay um so the uh, the game is divided into various parts of what you do. Um, there's three errors in a game. And the first thing that you do in an error is you play you play three rounds. Yeah, you end up with three rounds that you can do. Um, the first thing that you can do is you can marry someone if you can. So you can either marry from the board if you marry somebody from an independent state, um, there's checks that you have to do. We'll come back to the checks in a moment. But if you uh, successfully marry them, you get them as your spouse and you get everyone has a trait, which is one of the things taken from the board, uh, from the video game. Mm -hmm. Traits are a very important thing. I'll come back to yeah, those definitely. in a second. But you gain that person as a spouse and you gain that trait. You also then form a pact with the country that they came from. Pacts are they're, they're helpful because they they make it easier for you to take um, that territory by annex. You, you know, you can annex that territory because you've got yeah, a pact you have, with them. Yeah, you've got like a claim to it. Yeah, so you can do things like that. But going back to the the traits, when you need to do. Uh, when you want to try and marry somebody or you want to try and start an intrigue or possibly try and assassinate another king or assassinate a noble, you have to do a trait check. Mm -hmm. um, so normally checks in these types of games would be done by dice rolls. Yeah. In Crusader Kings, it's done by bag building. Okay, okay. so if you've played, okay. if you've played the, the Arkham Horror the Arkham Horror game, they basically 
had bag building as well, but uh, they had tokens and you would, the tokens that have numbers on them, you know, between one and six, and sometimes they'd be higher. And you'd earn these tokens and put them in your bag. So when you'd done like a dice roll, you'd just draw a token from a bag and that the number would be it. This kind of uses the same thing. It uses good and bad traits. So you may have a trait that is kind. So kind is a good trait and it's colored green. And you may have cruel, bad trait, colored red. So when you have to do a trait check, put your hand in your bag, draw a token. If it's red, you, you fail. If it's green, you pass. Uh, you start out, everyone starts out the game with the exact num same number of traits in their bag. You have two good, two bad, but you have different traits. You have randomly drawn ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, this makes a difference because sometimes, let's say you are doing a war trait, you, you want to wage war. Okay. So war is, it's a cruel thing. Mm -hmm waging war so now war that uh that cruel trait that you have in your bag although it's red it it's a positive when used in war okay because so it's it, cruelty it, yeah it would count as green um and the same thing kind adversely would be counted you know you can't re wage war if you're kind so that would count as a negative Makes sense. So that there's certain when you do certain checks, they've got key traits, and these key traits um, be, behave adversely as they normally would for certain things when you're trying to do. So it makes marrying somebody um, that has a trait on the board. There may be a trait that is really valuable. So you have everyone trying to marry that person, but it's done in turn order, mm -hmm. which is quite cool. Um, that's pretty cool. Concept. It, I'm glad to hear that as well because I, when you started describing it as, you know, you pull a trait out and whether it's good or bad decides on whether you succeed in this thing regardless of what it is, that definitely got me worried. But actually seeing that the type of trait does actually also kind of matter. Yes. It's definitely good because, yeah, it, yeah, it would be disappointing if it was like, we have all these traits here, but all that really matters is if they're red or blue or green or whatever the good one yeah so the next part of the of your turn you know once everyone's done what they call the dynasty phase where you're marrying off so you can when you marry off somebody you can either it's either your king you're looking for a queen or you can marry off one of your children if you get children or if you you know if you want to marry off your daughter to somebody else's son you can do all that kind of stuff as well and there's various yeah. benefits for doing that um, so once you've done all that you then have to play it comes down to playing these cards and the cards that you get in your hand are drawn from four different decks now these decks are they're basically like story decks and there's one for war there's one for crusades there's one for tax there's ones for intrigue and there's ones for resource. That's the, the five. So within re, uh, within resource, I think that's where you can build castles on your land. Castles will give you a a, defen a defense bonus if somebody tries to invade you. You can also build other resources. Now, these, 
are assets that get drawn from a, another a secondary deck of cards, like a market deck of cards. And within there are uh, counselor, is it counselors and inventions. That's the two things that you can get. So you can get uh, you can get. Uh, I want to say a medic, but it's not a medic. It's not the term they use. But it, it basically, it's a, it is. It's a physician. That's the, yeah. You can you can get the physician, and what the physician will do is, when illness strikes, you can uh, stop you know one of your family members from dying, stuff like okay. that. They they stop disease and things. You can uh, get an invention. You can get the navy. The navy allows you if you're playing as the English, and the I, you know, the, uh, one of your territories is Ireland, which is, you know, it's surrounded by water. There's nobody else there. So if you get the navy, you can move around quite easily. You can move your units around easier. Um, and then there's things that give you an offensive bonus and a defensive bonus and things like that. So that's within your resource that you can. Taxation is the way that you get money. Uh, you can then within the intrigue side uh, you can do things that you'd be used to within the game Kieran so you can you can create dissent within an area and cause an unrest and uprising and you can use that to overthrow areas and get people stop controlling them you can straight out uh, you can mobilize units so put infantry and stuff into that area um getting ready to invade somewhere and you can invade but to invade you need to you need to have oh there's a latin term that they use you'd probably know it better than me uh, from the I game pronounce it it's like a cassius belli or something like that yes that's it's, it cassius you, you'd belli. To, yeah you'd be supposed to have a reason <laughs> you'd have a good claim but, to be like look motherfucker yes this is mine and they'd be like no no it's not and you'd be like yeah but my brother's wife's mum her great granddad once lived here <laughs> so it's mine and you're like wait yeah and so, I'm so you can it. <laughs> you can use um intrigues to create these kind of things that happen uh and if you succeed then you get your casas belli to invade but if you fail they get it against you so anytime you try to do an intrigue, no matter what the intrigue is, if it fails, it gives whoever you were trying to do it on, it gives them the reason to have war with you. So that's quite cool as well. That, um, that We felt that worked really well. Uh, so there's all of these cards. Uh, that's what the war, uh, war cards will do that. The intrigue cards do the intrigue. Taxation, that's where you get your money from crusade cards so the biggest thing now you're going to laugh at me one of the biggest one of the reasons that i didn't do as well is i didn't pick up the, the clue of the game is in the name crusader kings oh yeah, you, you can pop happy That's... yeah you need to you need to go on crusades i didn't i thought i could do it the other way and it doesn't work but you can go on crusades and uh so the Crusades is a track on a separate part of the board, and it's basically from one to ten. Every time on per era, you can go. Uh, yeah, once per round. Sorry, not per era. Once per round is three rounds in an era. You can go on a crusade, um, and you basically once you fill up these uh, ten tracks. 
there's 10 spaces on the Crusader track. Um, if you go and you go on the Crusades, Kieran, you do it successfully, you take up space one. If mm-hmm. I go, I take up space two because you're already on space one. But let's say I've done, I'm on space two and something happens where your guy gets removed from space one. When Ben plays and he goes in the Crusades, he doesn't go on space three. He has to fill up space one first. Okay. So, that, yeah. So you have to fill up all 10 spaces. The person who fills up space number 11 finishes the Crusades and ends the game and wins the game. Done. Okay. That's it. Finished. So if you can manage to do that, you know that that's different game ends and that's it uh so you've got all of these things and that's what those cards tend to do but what they do is they that's the the first thing that they can do um and it's that's the action part of the card that they can do so you have to play a card in your turn and you you may do the action if you want so you can play a crusade card and you can go on the crusade or you can choose not to but the thing that you have to do is kind of the flavor text and the flavor event that happens on this card. And these kind of things that can be were particularly on taxation. If you play a taxation card, you get money for all the units you have. And there's various bonuses that you can get. But you get money that's you sorted. But then you have to play this this other part of the card, the flavor part. And normally with the taxation one, it is... A child is born, but it's not born to you. It's born to the person that plays after you. So a lot of the times, if you're playing a card that gives you a benefit from its action phase, its flavor text, its event text, tends to, not always, but it tends to benefit somebody else. It's kind of this weird balance, and it works. It works really well. So... Yeah, and but sometimes there can be, you know, you raise the tax and you get a child. Um, or sometimes you get tax. Uh, I got one, it was the Black Plague. I get, ta- I tax my lands, but I'm okay and everyone else is fucked by the Black Plague. You know, and people are losing crops and <laughs> it was just absolute chaos. Um, but very, very interesting. And it worked really well. So you've you've got this whole thing where you play these cards you end up at the beginning of each era you draw eight cards and you during that era you will only play six of them so two of them are going to be discarded and it just works well uh, one of the things, the bonuses about playing the, the crusades is you can get bonus cards as well so you've got more of a choice of things to do you know, when it comes to what you're going to play. Um, how the game ends, once the game ends, is you get one point for each uh, each knight that you have on the board in, in a territory. Each territory that you control, you get one point. You get one point. There is bonus points. There is uh, one bonus point for the person that has the most castles. There's a bonus point for the person who fills up, they have the the most uh, inventions and counsellors. Whoever fills that first, they get a bonus point. There's another bonus point for finishing the crusade. And there's another one after that. So there's like four bonus points 
plus all the bonus points you can get on your on the board. So your final scoring is like three points versus four points versus two points versus one point sometimes. That can be the final score. You're playing for three hours for four points. Um, and that felt weird. It just it didn't feel right. And I don't know why. Yeah. It just felt a bit strange. Um but it was good. It it was good. Uh Ben and myself, we sat for a, a good while afterwards talking about what did we think. And Ben, obviously, he's going to play it some more because uh, Ben's covering it for the, the website. And I think he's going to do a video as well. We did, both said the same thing. You will need to play some more games. I would like to play it again. I'd like to play it with human players. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to play it with people that have played it before so that we're all playing our second game. I think the game would flow a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think like, there was longer games like that tend to be like that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was. I did have a couple of niggles and negative things about it. Um, with it being a Kickstarter, it's got. It comes with miniatures. The miniatures are completely unnecessary. They're not needed at all. It feels like the reason they were there is because. Kickstarter games without miniatures don't do as well as Kickstarter games with miniatures. That feels like it. that's the only reason they exist. The miniatures themselves are made with a hard plastic, um, so they, you know, they're, they're quite sturdy, but they don't have as much detail as the 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 Simon, you know, the cool mini are not yeah. um, miniatures. The nowhere do they have that same detail so that bit feels overproduced the bit that feels underproduced and lacking in quality is the quality of the cards we uh, opened the cards and took them out and the card there were some cards that were sticking together when we peeled them apart they were you know how the ink st- they're, they're really sticky and they're getting damaged mm-hmm. yep there was loads of cards like that that were damaged like that uh, there were, yeah, that that wasn't good. The 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 cardboard, as the cardboard chits, some of the printing was off center, so that when you punch them, you can't release. Really well, you can see what the card the the chit does because of the size that it is. But you know, if you had to look at it to see what it was, if it was a money, uh, money for example, it was really off center. You couldn't. The number one was missing. You know, it was really badly printed. Uh, some of the cardboard as well was already splitting. So, yes, some of the the kind of cardboard quality and the card quality was quite poor. Weird. I've never seen a a board game where the the quality is so hit and miss. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... The other thing is that the cost of the game, so the cost of the game, I think they're talking about, I think when you backed it, it was in the region of £50. I have no idea. I, um, I'd need to go and check the Kickstarter, yeah. but I don't think that uh, I did, I knew the price in my mind when we were talking about it, and uh, but I don't think the game is worth that. I think 
the reason that it's charged, the money that it's charged, is because other games are other games with similar amounts of components are charging that. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just because somebody some other game can get that money doesn't mean that they can. Um, to give you an example, so they're looking for you know. 50 odd pounds for this game and it does it has a fair amount of components but let's take uh if you take gloomhaven for example gloomhaven is going for you can get a, a version I, I think the next printing is going to come out and depending on the retailer you can get it for around about 110 pounds which is what the kickstarter was going for well it was 110 pounds that was with the shipping included in it that that is fine there's no um i don't know where i'm going with this but basically (laughs) i don't i don't think it was i don't think it's worth the 50 pound i don't think it's worth 50 pound i really enjoyed the game Need to play it again, but see what I mean? It, it, it's torn me. It's it's yeah, it's like a battle thrown me a little bit. Yeah, um, but I really enjoyed a lot of the elements of the game. It was just one of those where you finished it and you went, "Hmm, that's a bit." Yeah, but I will say with the rules, the rulebook was very well written. Um, there was only one thing that Ben that we had to go back and check. Um, they have got these reference cards. Reference cards are really well done. Worked really well. Uh, we didn't really need to go to the rule books for those. I understood them. I found that I think if we brought that this game out to you know, Kieran, you've played the the video game, yeah. but you're also you know, a, a, an experienced board gamer. Experienced that's, board gamers overselling that, but. <laughs> you've played a good few board games okay you know and you you could basically just give you that rule reference card and, just and run through it. and that's what that's what i did because ben was running through and he says have a look at that and uh you know we were busy doing other stuff and um yep. so i quickly ran through it and i went i think i've got this just give me the i uh, you know give me a, a brief rundown of what crusader kings is in terms of theme and what we're trying to achieve and we should be able to run it from there and the only thing i didn't pick up was the importance of the crusades but i think if you were sitting down and we were explaining the game properly to to play it with somebody you would obviously that would be one of the main beats that you would hit yeah um yeah (laughs) I'm, i'm i'm still confused about the game i really enjoyed it but there were certain things and red flags but yeah, it sounds like something yeah. we need another couple of plays at to kind of properly be able to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So no, I would. Uh, I definitely like to play it a good few times as well. Fair enough. So, yeah. Um, have we got any news? We do actually, for once. Oh, cool. Um, we have. I've only got two things here. Because they were sent to me. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> that... uh, actually, three things that were sent to me. Uh, first one, and solely because I backed it and I'm pretty happy with it. Um, Skateboard 
You might oh, remember yes. as that Kickstarter for the skateboarding video game where you play as a little bird on a tech deck, basically. And it looked adorable. And also seemed like it was probably going to be quite a decent little skateboarding game. Uh, it met its goal, and it's getting made. So that's... Cool. That's good. Um, ben sent me something that... Ben sends me a lot of news stories. Here's a peek behind the curtain for well, not a lot, but he, he sends stuff every now and again that he's excited he does, for yes. or he thinks we'll be excited for. And this one was definitely one where Ben called it completely one hundred percent. Oh god, correct, yeah. Like, where he's like, ah, this is one that you guys will be interested in. Um, they're making a board game based on Reigns called Reigns the Council. Yes, and it's going to become to Kickstarter soon. It's being made by uh, Bruno Faidotti, who made Citadels and Masquerade and something else, probably. And, uh, <laughs> HMS Dolores with Eric. That's the one I was trying to think of. I knew there was another one. one I knew there was one that we'd actually talked about on the podcast before. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know the other designers. Hervey, Hervey Marley? That's probably not how you pronounce it. Hervey Marley? Um, it says here that they made the werewolves of Miller's Hollow. It also says Skull. Oh yes, yeah, Skull. Uh, Skull's the. It's the card game version of Liars Dice. Yeah, I thought that was older. I, that's what I'm surprised is it. But um, whatever, maybe I'm just wrong. Um, Skull's great though, so that's good. Uh, this, yeah, they, they they haven't said a lot about how it plays, or there's there's some like there's advisors and. You know, you people present proposals to whoever's the king and or queen, and they decide on what to do. And similarly to the game reigns, you are making decisions based on other people's kind of proposals, and it is changing your influence with each of these groups until eventually someone overthrows you. So it sounds interesting. The art looks nice because it's just—I mean, the game was just a card game anyway, so it makes sense. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It seems it could be cool. I will 100% be backing that when it hits Kickstarter. Uh, the other news story uh, I need to open again if I can find it is one for a game that we are looking forward to that comes out in an hour. It'll be out by the time this podcast is up. Yes. So uh, Comic-Con's going on just now and they just announced that the Marvel Knights DLC pack that they had already announced for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, they announced yes. who it's going to add. So it's going to add... Oh, cool. Blade. Yeah. Moon Knight. Cool. Punisher. Yeah. Morbius. Oh. Morbius is kind of a bit, like, out of left, left field. field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other three were kind of exactly the three that when they first announced it's going to be Marvel Knights, I saw everyone going, oh, so it's going to be Blade, Midnight, Punisher. Um, Morbius is cool. I mean, those are all cool. Like, I, I like all those characters. Um, they also announced that Colossus and Cyclops are going to be free DLC in August. Oh, nice. Uh, Good. Loki is part of the main roster of the game, which they hadn't announced before. Um, oh. But. He is already in there. Cool. And that's all the news on that. But yeah, that game is going to be out. 
roughly 59 minutes so next week we will have actual impressions on it yes excellent I'm so looking forward to it yeah same uh, that's the only news stories I've got I think I think there were others those were just the ones I happened to have on me at the time right because yeah we don't really we don't really do much with our news sections these days I know I know uh, normally because we're wittering on too long yeah that's a thing <laughs> and this podcast has gone a while um, it has yeah but do we have any new releases uh, yes we do so looking for stuff that is coming out for weekending the 20 it would be the 26th of July uh, yes a few Nothing's things coming uh, Nothing at all. European Truck Racing Championships comes uh, to please. the Switch. FIA European Truck Racing Championship. <laughs> I thought I could sneak that past. Gotta get that marketing in there. Which that comes out for PS4 and Xbox One and PC this week. Uh, yeah. So, it, is, uh, it does, yes. So, um, Date Alive Rio Incarnation comes out for the PS4. What the fuck is that? It's an Idea Factory thing, so... Boobies. I'm expecting anime, I'm expecting underage girls, I'm expecting... Yep. The u- yeah, the All usual. All those things. The usual. That's Idea Factory for you. Right, yeah. I'm sending you a picture. No, fine. I will take your... <laughs> no, let me put it in the group chat so everyone else... Gets it Looks without having it the context. <laughs> and we all can get added to this list. Yes, yeah, that is fine. What else have um, we got? We have a little game I don't know if you'd be interested in called Fire Emblem 3. Uh, never heard of it. Yeah. Fire Emblem 3 Houses comes to Switch. Uh Looking forward to this one. I've already got it pre-ordered through the Nintendo voucher thing. I think you've got the same, same Kieran. Yeah. yeah, I got this and Marvel, which I think you did as well. Yes. Yeah. I might buy so. more of those for. There's too many games coming out for Switch. Yeah. Same. I, I think I'll be buying a few. Um, so what else we got? We got. Uh, is it? I'm not too sure how to say this. Is it Kill the Kill? Yep. Just Kill the Kill. I don't know how to pronounce the uh, last, but I don't know if it's just F. Yeah, uh, so that comes to PS4 and Switch. Not 100% sure what that is. It's a 3D beat-em-up, kind of similar to like the Naruto games or the Dragon Ball games oh, okay. stuff like that recently. Cool. Uh, it's being made by the same people that made that Little Witch Academia game that I played last year. Um, All right, okay. And being... It's been published in the US by Arc System Works, but here it's been published by P-Cube from the looks of it. Alright, okay. Yeah. It looks pretty decent. Excellent. A uh, couple of more things. Uh, two Wolfenstein games. One for PSVR, Wolfenstein Cyberpilot, and Wolfenstein Youngblood for oh, the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Yeah, you're a big... Um, Wolfenstein fan, so yes, I'd sure imagine Paul. that'd be good. Yes, yeah, yeah Paul I'm sure Paul will pick yeah. up. Youngblood is the the co-op one where you play as uh, BJ Blazkowicz's twin daughters, um, right? And they go to France and kill Nazis because cool. 
What more do you need? <laughs> this, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's a video. Uh, and that is that's everything that's uh, coming up for that period. Yeah. So it's a strong week. Yeah. Well, just because of Fire Emblem. Well, yeah. I also <laughs> want Killer Kill and Wolfenstein, but yeah, yeah. Overall. Yeah. Uh, no. I need to finish Valkyrie Chronicles Four. Oh, I said I've I wasn't so going many... to play Fire Emblem until I finished Valkyrie Chronicles, and I'm. One last mission. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I've got a serious issue. Uh, yeah. I just, I've got so many games I need to play. A bunch of previews came out for Fire Emblem Three Houses this week, and uh, that game sounds long. More so than yeah. previous Fire Emblem games. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of comments and I thought, oh shit, I'm in trouble. The thing I saw was very much like, hey, you know Fire Emblem Fates had the thing where they sold you two different versions of the game? Yeah. What What if What if that was just the game and there was three paths and they were all like 60 hours long each? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It looks great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. But uh, cool, I think that is it, really. I don't think we've got much more we can add to it. Uh, is there anything else that we've not added? Uh, no. Go play Mario Maker. Ah, uh, that's the only addition cud- I've got. <laughs> Cuddle a cat, apparently, because uh... a cat. <laughs> that's always a good choice. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Oh, there was. Uh, we were talking offline as well that uh, during the Prime Day sales, that uh, PSVR was heavily discounted. Yeah. And I w- again, I was tempted to pick it up, but I think it just would have been the the joke that uh, Kieran had uh, made, and was quite true. Was that man dies in cat cat related <laughs> VR tragedy. Yeah, it would one hundred percent be. Hey, by the way, either Mike tripped over a cat and died, or Mike was playing Resident Evil 7 in VR and a cat jumped on him and his entire body just shot down. (laughs) Yeah, it just wouldn't have been good. (laughs) Uh, I did, however, I did pick up, uh, obviously, Resident Evil because we spoke about it today, but I did pick up Martin. Mortal Kombat 11 on sale as well for the Switch and it took me ages to download the software for it and I've, the only thing I've done is look at the menu for it at the moment so uh, possibly in the next episode we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Do you pick up anything in the, the sales? I did not but outside of the sales I bought a camera um, which I'm learning to use. And Good! It's vaguely relevant to the podcast I guess because i They'll probably do some kind of video stuff on the webpage. Yes, on the I I imagine, yeah. Um, so, be nice to have a, not just be recording things on my phone. It should hopefully look a little bit nicer. Although I don't know, it's you know it's a beginner camera, and the iPhone X camera is also very cute. So <laughs> we'll see how much of improvement it makes. Cool. But yeah, it's fun. Excellent. Uh, so the only thing left to do is if you have 
want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can find us on www.glitchfreegaming.com. Follow us on Twitter at glitchfreegame. Facebook, just search for glitchfreegaming. We have a page lets you know when the podcast is up and also when Ben has got some nice tasty stuff out on the website. And Kieran, we also have our uh, Mario... A Mario Maker channel. Yes, um, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash user slash glitch free game. Um, I've been putting up at least two Mario Maker videos a week. It's really been closer to three the past week, I think. This week it was only two, though. Um, I am playing through the all the levels made by the the waypoint forum so that's like the forums for gaming.vice.com and i'm trying to play through basically every one of the levels that that community is making and cool. some of them are really good most of them are really good i'd say actually so people should go give it a watch because it's been fun to make and that cat is telling you to do it so listen to the cat listen to the cat ladies and gents so <laughs> with that i think we'll call it a night so i can go and cuddle this cat because uh he is screaming blue murder and we the will just yelling like is it marvel time yet is <laughs> exactly it out that... yet <laughs> exactly so... spider-man <laughs> yes me too so until next week we will see you again yep see ya